I don't think sex is a great idea before marriage has. However, I believe it's something that needs to be explored before you spend the rest of your life with somebody. This idea of waiting till marriage and not having sex is only bad for society. If I could have changed one thing, it would have been to wait before marriage to have sex. I feel like that would have made my wife and I's relationship a whole lot more secure. Me and my boyfriend have been living together for three years now, and we're pretty much a married couple. That's what we consider ourselves. I think the reason why people have such doubts on it now is because they always have that question in their head, is there something else out there that's better? All right, well, we're, uh, we're ready to close this series out today. Some of you are sad, say, no, we want more, we want more. Well, you'll maybe get some more down the road. But as far as this, things we're going to be moving towards... And, uh, you know, this has been really, really great. And, you know, what I've found this series, if you're uh, joining us for the first time, we're doing the last class, uh, last lesson in our series called The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating. Uh, what I've realized is this is like a rabbit hole. And down, like the sound. Okay, you got it now? Okay. You know, there's, this is deep waters that we're going to be uh, going into. Whenever you talk about relationships, it's so important that we respect what it is. That you're bringing two people together. And, and, you know, it's so deep, it's so profound that we really need God to help us out with this. And that's what this series is all about. It's not the new rules, actually they're old rules, but because we have rules in place... How about if we do this until they get it worked out? You know, because we have these rules in, in our society, they seem like they're new. But in reality, they're, they're very, very old. And so uh, today we're going to close it down. And our, our, our topic for today is if I were you. You know, and I've heard this. The married, this, this is actually a series for single people. But the, the, the married ministry has benefited so much. You know, I've heard this comment from the married people so often, is that if I had only heard this, and I've said it, but if I'd only heard this when I, were, when I was single, you know, what a difference it would have made in, in my relationship. You know, and it's never too late. It's never too late, even in your marriage. You know, we've been focusing in on this, this, this theme. Are you who? Are you who the person you are looking for is looking for? And the whole focus is, is, is becoming, becoming that person. And we're looking at this, this theme here, and, and this is what the Bible teaches. Is it doesn't focus, as you hear it over and over and over again in our society, I'm looking for the right person. And we dealt with that in week two, the right person myth. And, you know, it is completely a misnomer. It's a myth. And that's what, you know, even yesterday we were riding the car and, and there was an advertising for a dating service. And they said, you know, so you can find the right person. And so, you know, to, to think about that, that it's not about, it's about me being, coming the right person. And, and, and I hope you're working on that, even if you're married. Because when you're married, it's not over. You're just still growing in your relationship. And I want to encourage all the marrieds in the house because, you know, some of our singles, some of our camp, college students are at a retreat. Hey, this lesson is for you too. So that you can become the right person. In Romans chapter 12, in verse 2, it says here, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You know, what's wrong with our minds? It's, it's, been, it's been kind of filtered and been affected by the way this world thinks. How's our society doing in relationships? I mean, let's be honest. And that's why we're doing this series. We're living in a failed society as far as relationships are concerned. People are jumping around from relationship to relationship. Instead of dealing with the heart of the matter, people don't know what they're doing. we got all this technology. 
We got all this understanding. We should know better, but we don't. And so today's the opportunity for us to, again, as the last three weeks, we're going to be renewing our minds to think right, to think properly about relationships, to think properly about marriage and family. And then it says here, then you will be able to test and approve of what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and what? Perfect. He's got a perfect will for your life. You know, not a long shot, not a lottery ticket, but a perfect plan. He's got a great plan for your life in the area of relationships. But we've got to listen to Him. And we've got to follow Him. And so today we're going to be doing that. We're going to be renewing our mind. And some of the things we've been talking about the last few weeks make sense. You know, you go through and you go, yeah, this makes sense. And it, it, it's, it's true. And if you use your head, you go, this, this is only, it's so reasonable. You know, but what happens, the only problem is when you fall in love, you lose your mind. Right? You've seen it, I've seen it. Maybe that was you not too long ago. When you fall in love with somebody, you get, you get stupid. You know? You, you start walking around going, well, you know, we, we, we have a song. And mom and dad go, but does he have a job? He doesn't need a job because we have a song. And then, and then, they, then, then people will say, you know what? Well, the other day I was at the mall and, and, and I drove up and there was an empty parking space right next to his car. Well, man, let's just, let's just get married now. And you know, this past week he gave me a little puppy and we were driving in the car and, and, and we drove by this house and they had the same kind of puppy. Well, you know, we just need to go down to the courthouse right now. That does it. Right? But people get, they get stupid when they fall in love. And so that's why it's very important why you're in your right mind right now for the single people. While you're in your right mind, it's time to work on this now because when you fall in love, you're going to lose your mind. And then you'll be able to draw on all the preparation that, that you were a part of. You know, and, and let's just let's deal with the misnomer in this world. Marriage can be awesome. It, it's, not, it's not a failed system. It's, it's failed because our world is not doing it right. If you do it God's way, it can be awesome. And it is awesome. It's been awesome for me. I'm coming up on 22 years in December. You know what? I don't regret it. I'm so thankful for, the, for the, the, my marriage, for my wife. It's a gift. I don't know where I'd be without her. I mean, what a, what a blessing that I have. It's been awesome. But the truth of the matter is I look around and I see it's not going that great out there for people. And it doesn't have to be like everybody else. You, for the single people in the house today, you can do this. You don't have to follow the crowd. You don't have to be the norm. You can be the exception. And that's God's plan. And that's why we're doing this series. And, and, and you can have a marriage that's drama-free, full-on friendship, trust, respect, the way it was intended to be. You can have that. It can be done. And, uh, you know, yesterday was another Saturday, just like many Saturdays. Every Saturday, without fail. There are two single people. They may be standing right here. And, 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 and here's a guy like me, a minister. And, you know, they're, they're all dressed up. They probably look better than they've ever looked in their whole lives. For sure, the, the bride. I mean, they, they spend thousands of dollars to get ready for that day. They got the veil. They got the makeup. And they go and they do the complete makeover. You know, and the dress. I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible. And they look awesome. And then the, the guy, the dude, he's up there and he's wearing a tux and he he's looks better than he will ever look in his whole life. Okay? I mean, he's looking sharp. Dressed to kill, as they say. And they both stand up there and they make promises that they can't keep. They make vows that they can't keep. Is it working? It's working. 
And, and that's the sad part about, you know, marriage today. And I don't believe it. Uh, you know, I don't believe it's something that they do on purpose. And then the minister will say, repeat after me, do you take this man, do you take this woman? And they repeat the words and they say the vows. And I believe they really mean it. But here's the problem. They can't keep their promises. They can't keep them. And one of the things we're going to look at, they, they mean well and, and, and they, they really do want to make, but they overlook a promise that we all know, and it works in every other area of our lives. But for some reason, when it comes to relationships, people don't think this is true. And we're going to focus in on this area today, this, this particular subject. This is going to be like where we, we land. It's aggravating. Promises, you can just go ahead and shut down the, 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 the headset. Promises are no substitute for preparation. Why do people not make the, why don't they keep the promises that they, they make? And, and then they, they, they make the promises and then six months to a year or two years, they get into these commitment wars. And they say, well, you promised and you made a vow and you said it in front of the judge or you said it in front of the minister and my whole family was there and you promised and you promised and what happened? I mean, you can't expect people to make promises that they're not prepared to keep. And in every other area of of our society, you know, how many have ever run a long distance race? Can you just make a commitment in that long-distance race and go, you know what, I'm going to finish this race. Something like a marathon, right? Can you just, like, it's all in, I'm all in, and you're going to finish, right? Because you decided, you made a promise, you made a vow, you made a commitment. What do you have to do to finish that race? You've got to prepare. Now, why is there a mountain on the screen? This mountain is the, uh, the, the Popocatepel. This, it's called the El Popo. And this is one of the highest mountains in our hemisphere. Close to 18,000 feet in altitude, up there where the planes fly. It's above, the, the, the peak is above the clouds. It's a live volcano just outside of Mexico City. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life was climb that monster right there. It took 15 hours. And seven of us went. Seven of us climbed. But only five of us made it. As you can count, this is us at the summit. Just so you believe it's true. Okay? Not telling, not telling some minister story. Okay? This is us on the summit. And you know, that those last, those last, I don't know, 200 feet, it was the hardest. You'd take five, ten steps and you'd gasp for air like you just ran the 100-yard dash. Why did only five of us make it of the seven? Because the other two guys didn't make it because they weren't prepared. It was obvious. There's a, there's a, there's a piece of the mountain where you go, there, there, it's a place of no return. You have to decide. Once I go past here, there's no turning back. And it's interesting that around this area they call the place of no return, there's those little crosses everywhere. And those crosses are there as a remembrance of the people who have died climbing that mountain. And then that was kind of sobering. I'm walking around and go, man, this, this isn't, I thought this was just kind of a hike and we were going to go and people have died. You know, this isn't a game. This is serious. This is life or death. And one of the guys was just saying, no, I want to go. I can make it. And as he's throwing up, you know. Because that's you get you get the 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 the, mount, the altitude sickness, and he was just losing it. We said, "You're going back. You got to go back." And what was obvious, he wasn't prepared. You know, and I know this was really, 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 really hard. I know I could have made it a lot easier. There was another couple that went up with us, and they was like walking up like it was nothing. You know, like oh, they're just whistling, and it was you know it was great. They were talking and everything, and we were dying. You know, we prepared, but these guys were super prepared. There's a guy that ran this thing. He, crowned, he climbed 
Mount Everest. He was a, a, a Mexican guy who climbed, climbed and summited Mount Everest. He ran this thing. He just ran it. I'm going to run. And he ran back down. <laughs> and how do you do that? Preparation. It's all about preparation. And just because you say, I do, doesn't mean you're going to be able to keep those promises. doesn't mean you're going to be able to keep those vows. It doesn't make you able. It doesn't make you capable. It only makes you accountable. And you know what? If, you, if you're accountable to something that you can't do, it makes you miserable. There are so many people in our society today. They're, they're together. They're married. But they're miserable. You know why? Because they can't keep that relationship. They weren't prepared. And, and now, and it's like this guy, you know, you ever heard of the comedian Ron White? He got, he got arrested for drunkenly misorderly conduct. He said this, he said, I had the right to remain silent, but I didn't have the ability to do so. And they locked him up. But that's what married people do. They have, they have the right to not get married and they, they, they should wait, they should, they should delay it, they should get prepared. But they don't have the ability to do so. And when it comes to vows and promises, commitment is overrated. Commitment is overrated. You know, I heard this quote over the summer from a married couple that I, that I knew, and they said, uh, you know, and they're really committed. And they said, uh, well, you know, our, our relationship's going to end in a, in, a, in a, if it ends, it's going to end in a murder-suicide. I mean, that's inspiring. But that's what they said, and he was serious. He said, there's no way out for us. It sounds good, but listen, I don't want to be a part of that kind of relationship. I don't want that. And I don't want to model that for my children and their children. That's not what God has, in, has intended for us. And, you know, for singles, you're going to fall in love and think that you have the ability to, to commit, that your ability to commit will override your lack of preparation. You know, and, and worse than that, when it comes to, to, to vows and promises, and it happens every Saturday, every Saturday without fail, you're going to allow someone to tell you that their past has nothing to do with their future or their present. And that doesn't work in any, any other realm of our society. You want to go to get a loan in the bank, what are they going to do? They're going to check your credit, credit history or your credit score. And that's going to tell them. And they always send you a nice letter or they always frame it really nice. They're saying, you know what, we'd love to do this. You know, we would really, we, we value your, your great customer of ours. Keep your savings here. Keep your checking here. But we can't make this loan. You know why? Because you got this history. And people walk into relationships with a history and they expect that the day that they get married, everything's going to be different. And, and then they'll have, some guy will come along and say, hey, but listen, baby, if we get together and we hook up, I'm going to change. I'm going to be different. And you know what? Because you're in love, you believe it. And, and promises don't matter if you're not prepared. They don't matter. They're meaningless. And every, every Saturday, it's happening over and over and over again. But the great news is for you guys that are single, and I want to talk to the, the teens because you're probably some of the only, and then I know there's some other singles in the house. You get to do this right the first time. You take these things that we're saying today, and, and, and it can make all the difference in your life. And you can do this right. You get a shot at doing this right. You don't, have to, you don't have to make a mess. We're going to look at some words from Solomon, King Solomon. He was one of the wisest men to ever live up there, you know, with Jesus. And why was he the wisest? Because God gave him a spirit of wisdom. It was, God gave him something that, that no man could have. Just like Jesus. Jesus had the Holy Spirit and he could just roll out and drop wisdom and, and, and blow people away with the things that he knew. And this is what, and you read the book of Proverbs if you don't believe me. It's incredible, the wisdom that comes from that book. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8. It says, the wisdom of the prudent. Now, let's, let's talk about this word prudent. 
Prudent means, and we've, we've touched this on other series when we look at the book of Proverbs, it's, it's wise. It's a wise person. Wisdom, wise people understand, and we hit this in our first class. He says, what you're doing today will reappear in your future. What you did yesterday will reappear today. A wise person understands that. A prudent person understands that. They said, you know, what I'm doing now is going to have an effect in what, I, what happens to my life tomorrow. That's a wise person. And they give consideration to that. And then it says here, the prudent or wise person gives thought to their ways. Ways are your patterns. Your patterns. And a prudent person, they probably they would say this, all of life is connected. It comes together. And what you do today affects your tomorrow. How you're living today affects tomorrow. And ways are your patterns. And then the the latter part of that verse is, but the folly of fools is deception. And we're going to hit that part here in a second. And, And ways are patterns, behaviors, habits, trends. They're the things that make us predictable. You know, in our families, in our, in our homes, you know what your daughter or son's going to say, right? We always do this to each other. We answer each other's questions. I know what you're going to say. How do we do that? And you say, no, you don't. A lot of times we're right. We do know what each other's going to say because you know why? We know our patterns. We know our ways. We use this at home to determine what each other were predictable because we know what we've been doing for a number of years and we know what's going to happen. We're wise with each other. But in the area of relationships, somehow we, we, we lose our minds. The, the switch gets, there's a, there's a shortage and it just, it, it kind of comes apart and there's, it's like we go brain dead for a moment. And, and these are the things that make us predictable. You know, when you go in for a job interview, what, what do they ask you? When you apply for a job, they ask you for your job history. And you got two people that are applying for the same job. One guy's been employed. He has a good reputation. He was doing, and the other guy basically doesn't. He has a great presentation, but he's not been employed, and he's lost a few jobs that didn't last very long. Which one are they going to hire? Obviously, the guy that's been employed and, you know, had a steady employment, no matter how the flash, because they're looking at the history. They're looking at that. And this is what prudent people do. Prudent people pay attention to how... They do things. They're looking at their lives. They're paying attention. And they know that the best indicator of my future or their future is their past or my past. They realize that. And it works in job interviews, positions of responsibility. You know, some of our members have have applied for uh, high-level responsibility job places. And guess what? They send me a stack of questions. And they're asking those questions so do you know this person, and do they do this, and do they do that, and what's been their history here? Do they have any areas that you are concerned about? You know, and, and, and i got to write out this history about the person. Why do they do that? And they want to know how long you've known the person. Why do they do that in these job positions? Because they're going to use that as a gauge of predicting what that person's going to do in the future. And, and, and we know these things. And then in verse 15, this is the flip side of that same verse that we just looked at. The simple believe anything. You know, when you fall in love, when you fall in love, you'll believe just about anything. You know, you, you'll believe that she's awesome. You won't even... And this is this what could be more, more evident today in our society. People get these online relationships. I am amazed that they're willing to start a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship online, right? They don't even know the person, but they did a personality study, and they, they, they match. Their personalities match. They connect. And you, you don't realize, what about their history? What about their past? You don't even know them. They could be a serial killer for all you know. You know, they could be a complete mess. And you say, oh, yeah, but we're a great fit. We're a match. And why are we talking about this? Is because we have the opportunity to work on who we are now. And once you find yourself working on who you are now, guess who you're going to run into? The same kind of people who are working on who they are. 
and they attract each other. And, you know, this, this, and as I said in the beginning, I was making fun, but it's, it's, it's amazing what people do. But we have a song. Yeah, but, but do you know what he's been doing? You know what she's been doing? You know how many, how many boyfriends she's had and what kind of life she's been living? But you don't understand, we both have the same initials. Well, man, you know, that, that says it right there. You, you should get married right now. Let's get the justice of peace here and let's, let's do it right now. This is what people, they literally do this. And, you know, here's, here's what guys will say. You know, listen, I, I know I got a few things wrong with me and, and, a, and a few other things, but listen, if, if, if you and I, baby, sweet baby, if you and I could get married, you can help me with these things. Right? And as you ask the question, how much debt does he have? How does she use her credit cards? What kind of consumer debt has she run up? He said, no, but you don't understand. I can help you with that. You can help me with that. And we'll be, we'll be, we'll be awesome because you and I are in love. And how long has it been since he's been divorced? Two months? Three months? Whoa. Breaks on. You know? And, and, and to think about that. And People have to realize that the path people choose trump the commitment that they make. The path that, the path that people choose trumps the commitment that they make. It doesn't matter how committed, how great, how awesome, how sincere you are on the day of your wedding. That will not trump your path. It will not trump your ways. Another, another uh, pithy statement here is, the past is a better indicator than a promise. The past is a better indicator than a promise. And parents, you know, we, we do this with our children a lot. You know, and make some promises. And we know, yeah, but you haven't done your chores in three months. And I'm supposed to give you a loan now, some cash, right? Okay, we look at that, right? We look at these things as parents, but in life, we've got to do the same, the same thing. And we've got to teach each other and teach, you know, the people that we love, hey, right now what you're doing is going to have an effect on what you do later. And so let's get specific. You know, now we're going to open the fire hydrant. Okay? And I'm just going to let it flow right through here in the center aisle. Because we're going to close this series out, and I don't want to leave anything out today. So we're going to open the fire hydrant. Are you ready? You ready for some for the singles in the house? And you can write these things down. These are very important. This is this is wisdom. This is this is pure gold. You know, the first one is the things that we talk about here at church Sunday, Wednesday. You know, I appreciate Doug coming forward and he was sharing about the things that they're talking about on Wednesday. These are game changers. These are huge that people can, can receive and get. Some of the lessons that we've learned. This summer we talked about forgiveness. We did a series on forgiveness. You know how significant that is if you practice forgiveness? Do you know how powerful it is that you can be set free and how, how helpful that will be in relationships? So I want to encourage you to, to use the things, things like forgiveness, things like our men's retreat. We talked about some awesome things at the men's retreat. Are you working on those things? Are you practicing those things? They will make all the difference in your relationships, both married and singles. You know, and then lessons during the week at midweek, our parenting principles. These, these things will be game changers in your life if you will put them into practice. And there's more on the way. We've got an upcoming series in November that's talking about, you know, our hearts. We're going to deal with issues like guilt and how it really messes us up. You know, as people, we're going to go there for four weeks and we're going to talk about, you know, how to deal with the inside. Because we're deep waters, all of us. We're deep waters. And if we know how to navigate those deep waters, we, it can make all the difference in our relationships with each other. And then number two, address your unresolved childhood issues. Now, this is big. Why am I bringing this up? Because this is what I do. I've been doing this for a long time. When I sit down with a couple that has marriage problems, guess what I see over and over and over and over, over again? They bring their unresolved stuff from their past and they bring it into the relationship. 
I'm saying a five-piece luggage set into that relationship. While you're single, deal with this stuff. You know, get some help now. Read some books. Get a well. Be self-aware. And also make sure that the person you're building that relationship is also self-aware. That you know because these things are going to affect you. They're going to affect and this is, some, this is some, some very deep wisdom from Les and Leslie Parrott. They're up in, uh, I believe, in Seattle. And they're psychiatrists, specialists at building relationships. Look at this quote. If you attempt to build intimacy with a person before you have done the hard work at becoming a whole and healthy person, every relationship will be an attempt to complete the whole in your heart. This is huge. And they've seen it over and over and over again. They've written books on this stuff. They came up with a phrase, the Jerry Jerry Maguire syndrome. Remember the movie? You ever see the movie Jerry Maguire? We love to watch that movie. Show me the money and, and all that. You know, we love that movie. But you know one of the big, big messages of that movie is? He's trying to find the right person to make himself whole. And so is she. And they're thinking that because they're both without that whole, they're thinking that if they hook up, they're going to make each other whole. And they both got unresolved issues in their lives. And these guys, less doctor, and, and they're both doctors, they're saying if you do that and you walk into a relationship, it will be a mess. It will be a disaster. So the point is address your unresolved childhood issues before you come into the relationship. And here's, here's the dynamic. You know, we, we do this with, with sometimes married couples, but it really needs to be shown to, to single couples. Look, look at this, this diagram. You got you and you got your parent, right? And the red line means all the drama, okay? Hey, parents, you know, they weren't perfect, you're not perfect, and so we affect our kids, right? But these are serious issues. He drank too much, he was never around, she left. She had anger issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of damage. And so you've got these issues with your parents, and guess what happens? Guess what happens in the relationship? Now, I've got to say a warning before we get to the next, the next diagram. Married couples, you keep your hands and arms straightforward. No nudging. Okay? No looking over to the side. Okay? You just you look straight forward, hands to yourself, no no touching, and smile. Before we look at this next slide, instead of the issues being with your parents, guess who the issues get attached to? Your spouse. All that stuff, and the spouse says. All I said was I wanted to get there a little early, and then boom! The place erupted. We don't know what happened. And then they got to spend a lot of money going to counseling. Right? And guess what happens in counseling? They, un- they unpack the, the baggage and they start putting some of the, you know, the clothes out there, the dirty laundry, and they lay it all on the, on, the, on, the, on the desk. And then he or she goes, oh, that's what happened. And the spouse is over there going, thank you, God. And he won't say it. He won't say it because he shouldn't say it. He should just keep quiet. I've been trying to tell you this our whole married life. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. Just keep it to yourself. Let the, let the specialist say it. Okay? You'll be better off. This is, and I'm kidding around with this. This is serious, guys. This is serious. Before you get into a relationship, know what's going on with you. You know, know what's going on with him or her because when you get, this is what happens. You take it out on the people that you love. And it's not fair. And this creates basically a blindside situation. And then ladies, this is huge. Don't dress like a commodity. Don't dress like a commodity. 
And don't, be, don't put up with being treated like a commodity. If you're in a dating relationship with your being, when you're being treated as a commodity, guess what's going to happen, get ha- happen when you get married? It's going to be worse. You're going to get treated worse. This is very serious. And, and, and let's just get a little, uh, a little wisdom from the, the pro-bass superstore. Okay? Fishermen, when they go out to fish, how do they determine what bait to use on the hook? Anybody know? How do they determine? You, you ever, ever fished? How, how do you determine fishermen in the house? How do you determine what kind of bait you're going to use on your hook? You've been fishing, right? You, you use the bait according to the kind of fish that you're going to catch, right? When you want to catch a shark, what do you do? Blood and guts. Blood and guts. You chum, right? Pretty simple. Ladies, if you fish with your body, if you fish with your body, you're going to catch a body snatcher. You're going to catch a body snatcher. If you're fishing with your body, you're going to catch that type of person. And then you're going to come back cynical and you're going to say, all men are alike. They're all the same. They're all after the same thing. No, they're not. Not all men are alike. Just the guys that you've been fishing for. All ten of them. He was, he was, he was, he was. What kind of bait are you using? I mean, let's think about it. Not all guys. There are good guys out there. But what you're throwing out there is bringing back the same kind of fish every single time. Don't use your body as bait. Okay? And that's what has to do with how you dress. It doesn't matter what the world is pushing out there. You've got to think. If you want a relationship that is built on something deeper and, and, and more meaningful than the physical, then dress accordingly and think about, put yourself out there and make yourself attractive in other areas besides your body. You know, and this has to do with the, the cut, the high cut, the low cut. I'm not going to say anymore because that's for the ladies to talk among yourselves. You know, this, this, is, this is huge. You know, and I, and I, I think it's, it's a very important conviction for the ladies, single ladies in the house to save your body for later. Save it for later. When you've, when you've built your relationship on a foundation of friendship, on, on a meaning, on who you are inside instead of just the outside. And, and you know, the, the truth is a matter if if... If you catch a guy with your body, guess what you're going to have to keep him with? And I got some bad news for you, ladies. As cute as you are now, that's all I'm going to say about that. Just leave it right there. Okay? Moving on. For the guys in the house, memorize part two of this series. The whole thing from beginning to end. Memorize part two in the series. Okay? Learn to be a gentleman. Okay? That's your tip. The whole thing. Okay? Number, number five. Get out of debt before you get married. Get out of debt before you get married. This is huge. We're going to talk about this in the beginning of next year. We live in a society that is built on debt. And it has reaped havoc in relationships. It doesn't matter what they are. Student loans, consumer loans. Get out of it before you get in a relationship. Get out of that. And you can get out of debt much easier. Not, if you single, single people, if you want to hear a testimony from the married people, you know, just say amen if you're a married person, if you agree with this statement. You can get out of debt much faster when you're single versus when you're married. If the married people could just say amen. Okay, and especially when you get kids. Wow. Try to get out of debt. It can be done, but it's a lot easier. Okay, and if he really loves you and he's got all this debt, guess what he's willing to do if he loves you? He'll move in with his mama to get out of debt before he marries you, if he really loves you. Okay? And that idea of, you know, sugar mama, you got that good job. You know, I'll be your sugar daddy. You know, you could take care of me. 
You know, you don't want that kind of relationship. You do not want that. And vice versa. Okay, you don't want a relationship where she's in debt and she's coming into this relationship with credit card problems and buying and spending problems. You do not want that in your marriage. So deal with the debt before. And you know, it can, you know, if couples make this commitment before they get married, guess how fast they'll get out of debt if they want to get married? Ooh, man, they'll get out of debt fast. 90 days they can get out of debt. They want to get married. It's a big motivation. You'll never be more motivated. Here's a very serious issue. Break your bad habits before you get married. Break them. You got any habits? Do not bring them into a marriage. Marriage is not designed to solve your problems. Marriage is not rehab. It is not. Some of us think that, man, she's going to solve my problems. He's going to solve my problems. Let me tell you, this is the reality. Great things in marriage get better. Bad things get much worse in marriage. Meaning, whatever you bring to that relationship, it's going to get worse in the relationship. I have seen this happen so much. Talking to other ministers, so much. So just deal with it on the front end. If you've got a drinking problem, it's going to get worse when you get married. If you've got a prescription drug problem, it's going to get worse when you get married. If you've got a gambling uh, problem, it's going to get worse when you're in that relationship. If you've got a pornography problem, an anger problem, or a debt problem, it gets worse when you get married. So if you want to have a great marriage, if you want this relationship to be successful, then deal with your problems beforehand. I'm an, I've told you this before. I was no saint before I was a Christian. Had a lot of problems. And I highly recommend this. That if you've got this background, and you are single, and you, you come into the church, and you come to Christ, and you, you change your life, give some time. For me, it was five years before I got married. And that time serves me because it allowed me an opportunity to break my old habits, break my old ways, and start new ways. And it gave me a lot of confidence to walk into that relationship knowing I've got a track record. I've got a track record of self-control. I've got a track record of faithfulness, of keeping my promises, and doing what's right in the heat of temptation. And faithfulness before will we'll run over into faithfulness afterwards. Unfaithfulness before, guess what happens? Without fail. Even in their dating relationship with the person. If you have problems with purity before, guess what happens after? It creates those problems. I've seen it so many times in relationships. And then kind of reading it up. Uh, men memorize part two of this series. Just go back and memorize the whole thing. That's what's going to help you. All right? Keep banging on the guys, but it's good. We need it. Then number seven. We're going to close it down. Don't live together. Don't do it. I don't care what our society is saying. Don't do it. It's not recommended. There is absolutely no evidence at all that proves this works. To the contrary. The, the, the studies that they've done in this area, it actually proves, in fact, women that have lived together with multiple guys, it's almost guaranteed. If you've lived, to get, lived together with several guys and then you get married, it's almost guaranteed that relationship will not work. It is a clear. But you know what? Statistics are only good for other people because we always think, guess what? I'm the exception. We're the exception. We can overcome this. We're, we're not like those people out there. Guess what? I have news for you. You watch. And you see how it happens. And we should just be wise, be prudent, and know that what we do today affects tomorrow. And here's, here's real clear proof of this. When women move in together with a man, they're thinking it's a step towards marriage. That's what they're thinking. Guess what a guy's thinking? You think a guy's thinking this is one step closer to marriage? Guess what he's thinking? 
Men move in with women to see if they want to stay in the relationship. We're talking two different people going in two different things, two different directions. One guy's thinking this, one girl's thinking this. She's thinking this is going to one step closer to getting married. He's thinking, I don't even know if this is going to work. Let's try it. I mean, it's a disaster waiting to happen. And then, for non-Christians, if you're here visiting with us today, don't date Christians. Don't date Christians. Don't do it. Unless you plan on becoming one yourself. Why? Because it's a bait and switch. It's a bait and switch. She's dating you because she wants you to become a Christian. That's the truth. Don't do it unless you plan on becoming a Christian. It's not worth it. Okay? And then if you're living with a, someone who says they're a Christian, you're, you're, you're going to build a relationship with a hypocrite. You want that relationship? So don't, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't date non If you're a non-Christian, don't date Christians. Because they're only after one thing. They want you to become a Christian. And if you intend on it, then fine. That's great. Go there. But if not, if you have no intention, don't do it. It's just going to make it a mess for both of you. And then the last thing I want to talk about is get involved in your local church. Get involved in your local church. You know how Laura and I got, got to know each other and where we met? Serving as volunteers in the, in the teen ministry, and the youth ministry. And I looked across the room, and she looked across the room and said, She's not a teen. She loves God. She's serving. She's giving her life for young people. She's got a cause. She's got a purpose. And that's what attracted us to each other. We found each other. And if you want to find the right person, look at your fishing pond. Where are you fishing? Is it in a place where you will you'll find the right person, doing the right thing, being involved in the right things? And some of us think we're going to find somebody out there, I don't know where, doing the wrong things. It won't work that way. And that's why it's so important for all of us to be, be involved, to volunteer in the church and to, and to do things, to serve. And, and you'll be on the same flow. You'll be on the same channel. You'll be doing the same things. And you're, 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 you'll come together in that way. And to surround yourself with people who can mentor you. This is huge. You know, when I moved out, of, when I got out of college, I moved far away from my parents. My parents can no longer counsel me, give me advice about relationships. So I was on my own. But because I was in the church, I surrounded myself with people who had great marriages, who I respected, and I asked them a lot of advice. I said, would you mentor me in this relationship? Because I want to have a relationship like you have. And they really, really gave me a lot of great advice. In fact, one of the things that they talked to me about is go easy on the physical in your dating relationship. In fact, do not... Be alone together in the car. Don't do certain things. That was advice that they gave me, which was incredibly successful and helpful. Because there was a lot of passion. There was a lot of love. The chemistry was on fire in our dating relationship. And that advice saved us because we could come to the, to the wedding day and feel confident and know, hey, we honored each other before our wedding day. And that was because of the people that we surrounded ourselves with. And then uh, I want to look at a couple of verses here, and, and then we're done. Proverbs 4, 11, 14, it says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. If you're single, get help from people that are wise. You will become wise. And you think about the, the guidance of a nation. Nations will fall, but how about a relationship? If you want a relationship to stand and be successful, then surround yourself with wise people. And then victory is sure. Another one, Proverbs 15, verse 10. Stern discipline awaits those who leave the path. Those who hate correction will what? Mm, that's a strong word. You know, it, you'll, you'll ruin a relationship if you don't like to be... Corrected. If you're not correctable, learn to be a sponge. It'll go well with you. You know, once you get out of that teen phase where everything they said, I'm doing the opposite. 
You know, teens can get in that situation where you say, well, mom, dad said this, I'm going this way. Once you get out of that brain challenge and move past it, then you can start going, you know what, I'm going to learn. That's what happened to me. When I got 21, I said, you know, enough. I've got to learn. I've got to stop making messes here and, and do the right thing because this is serious. This is serious life. It's not a game. And those who obey instruction preserve their lives. Man, listen, if you hear what I'm saying today, if you listen to what I've been sharing with you for the last four, five weeks, it will preserve your life. It will preserve your relationship. If you want a great relationship, then listen. Put it into practice. But those who are contemptuous, again, there's that, that bad word. They will die. Their relationships will die. You don't want that. None of us want that. We want successful, awesome, beautiful, wonderful relationships. And it talks about preserving their lives. In this area, it's not just about you. One day you may have children. It's about them. And I want to encourage the married people in the house. Have a great marriage because your kids are counting on you. Pass this on two, three, four, ten years from now. You're going to have this on your hard drive, and you can go back and listen. You can give instruction on how to have great relationships and build the foundation for great relationships. And this is it. You get the chance to do this right the first time if you're single. You get that shot. You get it. You can create a generation. And that's my hope. That's our hope in the church is that we can create a generation of single people that take a stand and that become the, the exception. That they don't have to be the carnage. They don't have to be the statistic. They can say, no, no, I will do it differently. I will have a successful relationship. Because God has the answer. That's what we want to see from this series. That's what's at stake. And so I I hope that God will bless you and I hope that you'll listen to what we're talking about today. Because you can have an incredible, incredible relationship and a great, great marriage. Let's close out with a prayer. We're going to take the communion and then we'll move forward. God, we thank you so much uh, for this opportunity that you've given us to learn from your word. I pray, God.